Bible reading today comes from Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 60. And it's titled, The Stoning of Stephen. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Okay, well, thank you, Emily, for, for reading us that passage. So what we've just heard is, uh, we've, we've just heard uh, the, the kids' story, that was chapter 8, and then Emily's just read us the little bit before chapter 8. And for those that have a really good memory and can remember back to several weeks ago when I last preached, because it's been a little while, hasn't it? Uh, we've, we've sort of already touched on the story of Stephen, haven't we? But I think this, this part of Acts is quite a key and pivotal part of Acts. So I just want to spend a couple of, a couple of sermons, I suppose, um, delving into the parts around chapter 7 and chapter 8. And I think what you saw there earlier in the kids' story and what you will see if you continue reading into chapter 8 is that one of the, the, the big themes in Acts that's maybe often overlooked a little bit, uh, and, and probably a theme in the, the New Testament generally that maybe is overlooked a little bit, is the theme of suffering and persecution. Suffering and persecution. Such a big thing, isn't it? What are we to make of it? And as I said, the death of Stephen here is this real pivot point in the book of Acts. Kind of before that, we had this beautiful utopia church life. Um, there was the occasional night in prison and the occasional little problem with sharing, wasn't it? But, but generally speaking, the, the life of, of the, the church and, and believers in the church was pretty exciting. Miracles, people coming to salvation, uh, enjoying the, 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 the shared common life together. Utopia. Um, but now, from this point onwards, the heat is turned up a bit. It's kind of like the rubber hits the road, or the, the sandal hits the dirt path, quite literally, actually. question I want us to reflect on today is how, how might suffering actually be a blessing to us? It's a bit of a counterintuitive or even countercultural thing to even suggest, isn't it, that suffering might be a blessing? But I think in today's passage that Emily read for us, we actually see a few clues that I think we're going to find really helpful for us in our, in our life. You know, we live in a society that's pretty obsessed with pleasure, don't we? Uh, we live in human bodies that seem to crave pleasure. I mean, I've got a coffee machine and a cake at home, and I tell you what, my body craves both of those. We crave pleasure, don't we? If you were to Google 
because Google's the source of all wisdom in our world, isn't it? If you were to Google how to avoid suffering, which is what I did right there, <laughs> you would see um, amazingly uh, interesting posts like this. Uh, one, play, one website said, you, you need to embrace change. You need to smile, you need to try a new routine, and you need to remember your basic goodness. You need to practice self-compassion. Now, that advice might help with the suffering of, say, exercise, or the suffering of someone's bad cooking, but I'm pretty certain when it comes to real suffering, um, you know, just smile, <laughs> try a new routine, is probably not gonna help you real much, is it? Here's another website, it says, pain is unavoidable, probably true, but we only suffer because we try and resist pain. So it advises that we should stop trying to control pain and just accept it. Then you won't suffer. Gosh darn it, that sounds simple. Why didn't we think of that? It says, when you are suffering, acknowledge that it's happening, realise that the pain and suffering is just a normal part of life. Explore the emotions or the sensation of suffering without judging them as good or bad. Be curious and notice. Breathe into the painful situation. Oh, it's painful. And say, I accept you. I don't know, if, if, if your like, wife had just died of cancer or someone you loved has just passed away, I don't know, breathing in and, and saying to the sensation, I accept you, I, does it really help? No, not at all. Here's another one. It's time to gently peel back the layers of worry, regret and indignation, complaint and unhelpful storytelling. That's the problem with suffering, it's just unhelpful storytelling. Oh my goodness. Um, and get to the simple, clean pain inside. There you will find truth and clarity. I don't even understand what that means. These are the top few results on how, this is, this is what the world is finding out. When they say, how do I avoid suffering? These are the top search results. Another one, peace and freedom from suffering is found by eliminating your wanting and desires for pleasure, com comfort, control, achievement, power and security. Don't ask me how you actually eliminate your need for all those things. I don't know, have you ever tried to stop wanting something you need like food or water? <laughs> um, yeah, look, some of these remind me actually of a, a well-known psychotherapy called ACT, which is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. It's quite a common uh, therapy that psychologists or counsellors might use. Do you know what this self-help stuff and this ACT sort of therapy actually also has an awful lot in common with? I don't know if you've picked it. Yep, you've picked it. Buddhism. Could you hear some of the, the Buddhist kind of uh, philosophies coming through. Um, and I was listening to a podcast recently by John Dixon on, on Buddhism, and, and yeah, this is, this is Buddhist, theology, uh, Buddhist spirituality. Um, I think it, it is so important, church, that we have a theology for suffering. We must have a theology for suffering. The, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit must guide our response to suffering. Not Google, not Buddhism, um, 
Psychological therapies, they do have their place, but therapy can never replace theology in the life of a believer. In the, the here and now, our solution for suffering is not to try and avoid it. It's not to pretend it doesn't exist. You know, I think as believers, the first thing we should, I guess, take notice of is that even though there's suffering in the here and now, we do need to remind ourselves that one day suffering will be dealt with. Jesus will set everything straight and make all things brand new. So there is going to be a a final solution to the problem of suffering. It's important for us to remember that that God will release this world from its brokenness and its suffering. And, And you know, that that plan has already been launched through Jesus, hasn't it? That, that release from brokenness, it's, it's already been uh, launched through Jesus. He's come and through his death and resurrection, he's won the battle over the forces of evil that have enslaved this world. And so God does rule this world. He is the king. It's important to remember that. His kingdom, his, his way of running the world, it is launched. However, what we all experience is a bit like, you know how in in summer, summer kind of gets launched on December 1, doesn't it? December 1, summer, it's begun. It's launched. It's officially started. And you might get a bit of warm weather breaking in early in December, mightn't you? But there's often lots of cold days in December, especially when you try and go swimming. All right, and so just like um, just like that, there's you know there's a there's a, the, the work of Jesus has has been launched, but there's a fullness of His rule and reign yet to come, uh, like a final instalment. In the same way that the sizzling hot days of January and February are yet to come in early summer. All right, and and so remember for for those of us. If you have life with Jesus, there, there is an end point to the problem of suffering. Jesus does promise to bring his justice and his goodness and, and, and the beauty that we all crave. But in the meantime, what are we to do with the suffering? I want to say this, and we're going to talk through this a little bit as, as I go, but suffering actually has very little or maybe even nothing to do with your situation. Suffering has everything to do with the presence or the absence of Jesus. We're going to see that as we delve into this passage a bit. Unlike our Googled world wisdom, the solution for suffering right now is not to pretend it doesn't exist. It's not to somehow don't feel it or to be superhuman and somehow cope with it. It's not to even go and change your situation so that you can get rid of it or escape the suffering. I should just nuance that last point. Uh, Today when I refer to, you know, um, you, you you don't escape suffering by trying, changing your situation, I just want to nuance that by saying, If you or someone is in a situation of abuse or violence or harm, well, clearly you should not stay in that situation of abuse or violence or harm. So so when I say don't change a situation to escape suffering, 
I'm not saying stay in some sort of abusive situation, okay? I just want to make that little nuance clear for everyone, all right? What I want to say is suffering can actually be a blessing. It can actually be a blessing. When we experience the filling of the Holy Spirit and when we experience fellowship with Jesus in the midst of that suffering. And so the real issue for us when it comes to suffering is do you know Jesus and are you filled with his spirit? That's the real issue. Let's have a look at our passage. And if you've got it there with you, you might just want to follow along. What we see in this little passage here is almost like two parallel universes at play. You've got the kind of the world of the religious leaders. And then you've got the world of Stephen. All right, you've got that, two parallel worlds, religious leaders, Stephen. Now, the religious leaders, you see you've got enraged people. They're shouting. They're dragging Stephen away. They're stoning him. They're angry. There's, there's a fence there for them at what has been said. But then you've got the experience of Stephen. What's happening for Stephen in all of this? He's gazing at Jesus. He's seeing glory. He's praying. He's, he's kneeling in humility and in worship. He's forgiving. He forgives them. Let's read the passage again. And, and just I want you to see these two worlds at play here for these two different, um, for the, these two different groups of people. Uh, so verse 54. When they had heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witness laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. What's going on here? One person experiences the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of Jesus. And the rest, there's human offence, there's sin, there's self-centeredness, there's power, there's ego tripping, there's religious zeal that's devoid of grace and devoid of true wisdom. Stephen's in a place of grace. The others are in a place of judgment and anger. Which side would you rather be on? Stephen's or the crowd? If we're honest, which side do we all too regularly possibly sit on? I mean, maybe too often we sit on the side of offence or self-centeredness or even religious zeal. Who would you say is suffering in this 
scenario? Is it the person being stoned or the people doing the stoning? I'd actually say it's the people doing the stoning are the ones who are suffering. The one getting stoned, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? But he's not suffering. Suffering has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit and fellowship with Jesus. And we see this clearly here. Verse 55, look at those words there, I love them. But filled. But filled. But filled with the Holy Spirit. The crowd, they're angry, they're grinding their teeth, but Stephen is experiencing the Holy Spirit. I mean, he should be afraid, shouldn't he? He should be in pain. He should be maybe disappointed with God for not rescuing him when he was, you know, outworking the mission so beautifully. He was preaching the word, healing people. Now he's getting killed. God, what are you doing? Rescue me. No. Only he's, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the New Testament talks about the human experience of the Spirit in a variety of ways. And Barry Chant, he, he lists these different words that are used to describe our human experience of the Holy Spirit. And there's words that the Bible uses like being baptised in the Spirit, having the Spirit fall upon us, having the Spirit poured out. Words like fill and gift and receive and seal and anoint are all used of the the human experience or encounter with the Spirit. And and they're images of how the Spirit operates in the life of a believer. That's in our lives. Now, they're not different measures of the Spirit. They're they're different metaphors or uh, descriptions of this Spirit's activity in your life. And the point, I think, of all of these images is that they're images of the Spirit coming upon believers kind of from the outside on um, rather than from the inside out. The images of the Spirit coming upon them from the outside. Fill, gift, seal, anoint. Barry Chan says this, he says, the Spirit coming upon believers, not from within but from without, he is poured out, he falls upon us, he is a seal, he is a gift. This is a significant point. Although the spirit in us is in us from the moment of conversion, being empowered by the spirit is not the result of a gradual growth from within. He comes upon us to equip us for service. The New Testament writers are consistent about this. And so here in this moment, there's this picture of Stephen being covered and saturated with the Spirit. You think about a container that's suddenly filled with something. We have a jug of water that, that sits on our table, our dining table. Now, normally it contains probably about yeah, that much water. It just sits there. But when we are preparing for a meal, when there's a meal about to happen and that jug of water is needed, what happens? 
We feel it, don't we? We feel it full with water because there's a need, there's a purpose, there's, a, there's, there's something about to happen that that water is needed for. If you think about some of the uh, believers' experiences of the Spirit, for example, in John 20, Jesus breathes on his disciples and he gives them the Holy Spirit. Think about Pentecost. The believers get filled, don't they, with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It comes upon them. Uh, Peter gets filled again when he's brought before the council in Acts uh, chapter 3, I think that is. The believers are then filled again after a pretty awesome prayer meeting that they have, and that's in chapter 4. And then here we see in this situation, Peter is getting, uh, Paul, uh, sorry, uh, Stephen is getting filled once more. So what's going on? Why, why do they keep getting kind of filled and given the Spirit? Did it just not work properly the first time? No, that's not what's happening. You know, on each occasion, the pouring out of the Spirit, the filling of the believer, is to empower them for mission. It's to help them rise up in the face of some sort of difficulty, some sort of defeat, some sort of need, some sort of threat, some sort of problem. The filling is provided by God and it's for a specific purpose, a specific need. Now for us, we, we need to take notice of this concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit to equip us and to assist us and to help us in a situation of need. Hands up if you've had a situation of need any time in the near, near past. Yeah, it's kind of human, isn't it, to have a situation of need. Um, how often do you experience suffering or, or get stuck or just feel really ill-equipped to face a problem or a situation? What's your most common prayer? I reckon, because this is, this is my most common prayer, is often, Lord, take it away. Lord, get me out of this. Lord, protect me from it. Lord, stop the enemy doing this. Lord, make me well. Lord, stop the suffering. And you know, when he doesn't take it away or get you out of it or protect you from going through it, what happens? All too often we, we get disappointed, disillusioned in our faith, flat in our faith, ambivalent or disheartened in our faith. We kind of flounder a bit, don't we? And, you know, we're not going to blame Jesus directly, are we? So sometimes we blame other people instead, don't we? No, it's, you know, it's your fault. When it comes to handling suffering, I think too often Christians really are like infants. You know, we, we are so fickle and fragile and so offendable. But suffering has nothing to do with your situation. Suffering has everything to do with the presence or the absence of Jesus. Now, what if instead of removing us from suffering, instead offers us the Holy Spirit to enable us to operate in a beyond the usual human capacity in the context of our suffering? 
What if he enables you to enjoy a blessing that is not dependent on your external circumstances? That's not possible in and of ourselves. But it is possible when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and fills us. You know, the early Christians saw suffering and persecution actually as an opportunity. Like they actually were pleased about being martyrs. Doesn't that just kind of... They were pleased. They saw it as an opportunity to identify more fully with Jesus, to experience him in a more intimate way because he also suffered. And they knew that the Spirit was a gift that enabled this to happen. What do these words remind you of in uh, 7 verse 59? Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And in 7 verse 60, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. What do those words remind you of? Jesus. Jesus spoke those words in the Gospel of Luke, who incidentally, the author of Acts and Luke is the same same person. Um, Jesus spoke those words at the cross. And so they're very deliberate words that, that are spoken here. Stephen is identifying with Jesus. In suffering and in dying for the gospel, Stephen's kind of like literally following in the footsteps of Jesus. He's literally following in the footsteps of the rabbi, which is something every disciple uh, would want to do, every follower of a rabbi would want to do. And so he doesn't see the persecution as the plan gone wrong. He isn't feeling abandoned by Jesus in this moment of extreme, what we would call suffering. He sees Jesus and he sees his situation as one of being like Jesus. Philippians 3.10 I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Suffering can be an opportunity that opens us up to the power and presence of God that just doesn't happen in ordinary circumstances. Some of you might be familiar with the story of Brother Jung from, he wrote the book Heavenly Man. And he spent um, four years in jail, possibly more, but in this part, four years of, of torture, of imprisonment, of persecution, of suffering at the hands of the communist government in China in the 1980s. Let me read to you a little excerpt from his book, Heavenly Man. He says this, I'd experienced so much in those four years, but God had been faithful. I'd suffered some horrible tortures, but God had been faithful. I'd been dragged in front of judges and courts, but God had been faithful. I'd been hungry, thirsty, and had fainted from exhaustion, but God had been faithful. Through it all, God was always faithful and loving to me. He had never left me nor forsaken me. His grace was always sufficient, and he provided for my every need. I didn't suffer for Jesus in prison. No, I was with Jesus and I experienced his very real presence, his joy and peace 
every day. How many of us can say that about our life right now? It's not those in prison for the sake of the gospel who suffer. The person who suffers is he who has never experienced God's intimate presence. He says, in a way, even though I was now free, I found it difficult to leave the prison. Inside the spiritual fellowship with my fellow Christians had been deep and sweet. The bonds we made were very strong. We served one another in love and shared our whole lives with each other. In the outside world, people are busy and have many things to do. Most of our relationships are little more than skin deep. Wow. I didn't suffer in prison. No, I was with Jesus, he says, and experienced his real presence, his joy, his peace. The person who suffers is he who never experiences God's intimate presence. Is that true? I mean, it's, it's a hard truth to wrap your head around. But we can trust that it's true, can't we? Suffering has nothing to do with your situation. Suffering has everything to do with the presence or the absence of Jesus. Do you remember our Google quote from, from earlier that said, peace and freedom from suffering is found by eliminating your wanting and desires for pleasure, comfort, control, achievement, power and security. You know, Stephen wasn't so kind of like zen in his mindset that he didn't need these things. He was filled, but filled with the Holy Spirit so that what happened was that Jesus became these things to him. In that place of suffering, Stephen experienced blessing because Jesus was Stephen's pleasure. Jesus was Stephen's comfort. Jesus was in control. Stephen didn't need to try and get power or get security over his situation because Jesus was his power and security. How good's that? two types of suffering, I think. There's kind of like the in the critical moment suffering. I remember, and I've, obviously I've shared about this before, when I had a car accident and I'm in a state of confusion, panic, but I remember the Holy Spirit filled me. It, 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 it felt like a coming from outside upon me and filling me. And um, I was immediately filled with peace and thankfulness and there was no pain relief needed. You know, the Ambos were like, do you want some pain relief? No, great, you know. But filled. However, much of our suffering isn't necessarily the in the critical moment kind of incident. Mostly, you know, we're not faced with torture by communists, are we? We're, we're not faced with a stoning of, by religious zealots or, or near-death accidents. Instead, I think the suffering that you and I most commonly experience is kind of the, the wilderness sort of suffering, the, the desert times. You know, the, the times that we're in for a, a long, extended period of time. Maybe they're, they're ministry or serving God sort of pressures or maybe they're the, 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 
the wilderness of an illness, a long-term illness, or uh, relationship difficulties, or something that's just going on in your family that's hard. Maybe it's ongoing financial trouble, or, or just this vague disappointment with ourselves or with God. It's suffering that's the ongoing extended thing, languishing. Are you, are you familiar with that sort of suffering? Now, what matters here is not a change of circumstances, unless, of course, I've said you're in a place of you know, harm or abuse or violence, in which case, yes, you need a change of circumstances. But, 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 but in this, this situation, what, what's needed is not a change of circumstances. So if you're in the desert or if you're in, in the wilderness, the, the desert is not so much the problem. Actually, deserts can be quite beautiful places. If anyone's been following uh, the Leeton team on their mission trip to Africa, some beautiful photos being posted there. Deserts can be beautiful places. The problem with deserts is getting water, isn't it? Like, like you can actually live in the desert quite magnificently as long as you've got access to water, all right? And so it's in these times, it's in these wilderness experiences that we have, it, it's the living water of Jesus that you need. It's not escape. Stephen wasn't removed from the angry mob. Jesus' presence came and was with him in the middle of the mob. He was but filled. And so I think the issue that I think is good to acknowledge is that suffering can be going on for a long time and it can take a while before we feel that feeling, that but filled, before we experience that strengthening and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if the second we start to experience any sort of discomfort, it was like, bam, oh, yep, I'm filled. Like, it, well, it just doesn't work like that, does it? All right? Now, God doesn't leave us, does he? But the reality is we don't always feel his active, empowering, strengthening presence right away, do we? You know what the waiting is called? Faith. That waiting in the wilderness, that waiting in the desert for his empowering, feeling presence, that waiting, faith. That's what that's called. And so for us, it is difficult, isn't it? I find it hard when we're in the waiting, when we're waiting for the butt feel to happen. I remember a time recently, um, not that long ago, I was thirsty for Jesus. I'm like, man, I'm in a desert. And you know, there's reasons for it. It's been a hard year. And there's been some stuff happen that just isn't nice. Um, but the, the buff field wasn't coming very quickly, all right? Now, I've journeyed enough with Jesus to know the buff field and his presence and his word will come eventually. I remember one night I was reading a, a little uh, excerpt about the life of Jacob. He was the one that kind of wrestled with God for blessing. You, you remember that story? And I just felt this stirring. And I'm like, it was kind of like a good anger. This sense of, God, I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. Because you've promised. He's promised. And I'm like, I am going to wrestle you until you bless me. I remember that night, I, I kind of wrestled with God. Bless me, God. Every time I rolled over my sleep, bless me, Lord. I don't know if I slept a wink, but I, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. I mean, nothing much had changed the next morning. 
just fired up. I went to church in the ranger, actually. Now we're having communion. I'm holding these elements. Bless me, Lord. I'm not going to let go of you. Wrestling you. And uh, we had communion. And, and you know, you know what song they played after that time of communion? The blessing. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's good. Radio. Amen. Hey. No, this is all about the timing, isn't it? Yeah. That's good. Um, a few days after that, or a week or so after that, I was kind of feeling a bit discouraged again. And um, I'm like, Lord, I, I just I need a fresh touch of that blessing again. I need to know your blessing, Lord. And I put on this random podcast. I couldn't even tell you what it was actually about. Um, but at the end of the podcast, there's a big, long interview. It went for about an hour or something. And uh, the, the interviewer said to the pastor, he was interviewing, so is there any, anything else you'd like to add? And this guy says, well, you know, what I like to do when I finish with my congregations, I like to give them a benediction. And so at the end of this podcast, he reads this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, you've spoken again to me. And so it's, it's in the context of these desert experiences that I, that we, we, we can hear God's voice and experience his nearness and love for me, for us, for you. And it might take some time, but it'll come eventually. And I think that the blessing of this is so much louder, isn't it, than it would be normally because of the situation, because of your hunger, because of your thirst, because you've been reaching out. You know, when I'm thirsty, doesn't water taste just so much better than it normally does? Have you noticed that? Hey. Suffering can be a blessing when we experience God's presence. So what do we need to do? What do we need to know? First, in suffering, trust. Trust that God will provide you his spirit to fill you. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to your situation. Look to heaven. Gaze at heaven. See Jesus. Trust that he will fill you with his spirit. As a follower of Jesus, you are alive by the spirit. Okay, that's a gift of grace. And as someone who is alive to Christ, the filling and the equipping and the anointing of the power of the spirit for daily living is also available to you by grace. Take hold of it. Ask for it. Make use of it. There's nothing you, you need to do to qualify to be filled with the power of Jesus. The only qualification, really, that I can think of is need. We all need, so we all qualify. It's a no-brainer. Ask for the anointing. Ask for the filling. Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit always, but especially during your times of suffering. Luke 11 reminds us that that even earthly parents who are sinful are going to give good gifts to their children. And so how much more will the Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So ask, wrestle, don't stop asking, don't stop. He's a good father and he gives because he delights in you, his children, and he wants to bless you and he wants to pour out the fullness of his presence upon you. But be patient. Suffering and those wilderness experiences we have, um, you know, they are real and they are hard. There's no denying it. 
but you don't have to journey those alone. Not only has he given you his spirit, God has given us each other, hasn't he? He's given us the church. So let us, the church, stand with you in those times. Let us pray with you in those times for the filling of the Holy Spirit that you need in your life. Let me close by just reading you that benediction from Numbers 6. I just want to pray this blessing over you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Well, if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, but otherwise, I just invite you to go and encourage one another and have some fellowship together.